think about this. Your backyard should be an oasis, not a challenge. And your local steel dealer has the gas, electric, and battery-powered tools that will get the job done. Told you many times I have a garage full of these tools. Steel, S-T-I-H-L. They're simply the best. And guess what? We're almost into February, which means right around the corner is spring. Get your tools now from Steel to get the job done. S-T-I-H-L, a company built on real power, tools built for real people and dealers who deliver real service. It's steeldealers.com. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. I start my day with Boyer's Coffee, and I'm sure a lot of you do as well. They are a company that uh, began in Colorado in 1965, locally owned and operated. They're environmentally conscious, and they make great coffee. I mean great coffee, and they have all kinds of deals right now. Go online to boyerscoffee.com, and you're going to see all of the great deals they have, all of the great flavors that they have, amaretto, aspen gold, butterscotch, toffee, wonderful different uh, selections to choose from. And as I said, they always have deals going on boyerscoffee.com online, or you can find them in your favorite grocer as well. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, former Rocky shortstop and manager Walt Weiss on the legendary Hank Aaron. If I had to describe him, I'd say he was the perfect combination of greatness and humility. And what, what, a, what a great combination to have. Will the 2020 MLB season start on time? Yeah, I know everyone's saying we're going to start on time, Goody. I, I just, I just don't, don't see it happening. Also, Drew weighs in on Todd Helton's Hall of Fame prospects. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. I watched his, his whole career. He's a Hall of Famer. Slam the gavel down, Hall of Famer. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And leave a comment. It helps other people find the show. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Thrilled, as always, that you're along with us. Spread the good word. Today, we begin with the loss of a legendary sports figure, and it really goes beyond that. Hank Aaron was part of the fabric of this country. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. marvelous moment for baseball what a marvelous moment for atlanta and the state of georgia what a marvelous moment for the country and the world a black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol and it is a great moment for all of us and particularly for henry aaron that marvelous call by vin scully back when Henry Aaron passed Babe Ruth to surpass him with 715 home runs. That record, I think, to this day, and maybe always, will be the most hallowed mark in U.S. sports. I really believe that. Everyone knew that figure, even the casual baseball fan. And you can ask people, hey, who's the all-time rushing leader in the history of the NFL. And the NFL's on top right now. I mean, more people follow the NFL uh, than any other sport among the major sports in, in this country. And yet you probably can't name that person, or if you can name that person, you don't know uh, you know, how many yards Emmett Smith ran for. You don't know the exact figure. You don't know the exact 
number of catches that Jerry Rice had or the number of yards that he accumulated as uh, perhaps the greatest wide receiver of all time. You know that Michael Jordan poured in a, a huge amount of points, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What was the point total, though? 38,000, 39,000? You can't tell exactly, but everyone knew that Babe Ruth, for generations, had hit 714 home runs. And then when Henry Aaron took Al Downing deep at Fulton County Stadium to produce home run number 715, certainly in this country and parts of Canada and, and Latin America, you know, the, the world stopped and they paused. And it was such a, a great moment for Henry Aaron and a great moment for baseball. And there were so many different, I think, connotations to the fact that Aaron passed Ruth, who was this mythical figure, and that it was a black man who passed him and passed him playing for a team that resided in the Deep South, and really the only team that resided in the Deep South. And a guy that began his career with the Indianapolis Clowns in the Negro Leagues. And then, I think sadly, and maybe most poignantly, to give you a reflection of where we were as a country then, and we continue to work with race relations and understanding one another here in 2021. But think about the fact that Henry Aaron never could enjoy the record that day and the pursuit of that record. I mean, he dealt with death threat after death threat and just ugliness after ugliness and could never enjoy it. And yet this man lived his life with such great humility. And you're going to learn more about the humility. Um, I'm sure you've done a lot of reading since he passed. Um, but you're going to learn more on, on this show because Walt Weiss is going to join us in a little bit. And Walt played for the Atlanta Braves, as many of you know, and now is the bench coach and has been the last few years for Brian Snitker and the Atlanta Braves. So he got to know and be around Henry Aaron. And we'll get his reflections on the man and not just the records that he produced. But I'd be remiss if I didn't recount some of the numbers because they're mind-boggling. And I feel like, and it's come out since his passing more than a week ago now, that he was underappreciated, he was undervalued, he was underrated, not only perhaps when he played and overshadowed by the great Willie Mays, for one, but even in the aftermath, in the 30, 40 years since he had moved past Babe Ruth, still underappreciated, maybe till now, sadly, and it's now posthumous. Think about some of these things. You know about the home runs. Did you know he was a three-time Gold Glove winner in right field? Do you know he hit 20-plus home runs in 20 straight years? Do you know he stole more than 20 bases six times in his career? Here's one of my all-time favorites. He's the number one RBI guy with 2297. But here's one of my all-time favorites. He produced 1,477 extra base hits. 
there are a relative handful of players that have had more than 1,500 hits in their career. I mean, it's not 3,000, but it's not a long, long list, you know, of guys that have produced 1,500 hits in their career. He has almost 15 or had almost 1,500 extra base hits. He never struck out, folks, 100 times in a season. Not a once. 23 years in the big leagues, at 40-plus years of age, never struck out 100 times in a season. He had 15 seasons of 30-plus home runs. He had eight seasons of 40-plus. Never hit 50. Just so consistent for so long. 13 times he finished in the top 10 in MVP voting. He won it in 1957, the year the Braves beat the Yankees in the World Series. Some remarkable stuff. He had an OPS plus, taking a modern analytic for you, of 161 for a 20-year period. OPS plus of 161 for 20 years. Freddie Freeman. Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, Anthony Rendon, Josh Donaldson, present-day sluggers, present-day iconic baseball power hitters, great, great players. And some of those guys may one day be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Have never had a season like that for more than a year. None of them. Not even for a year. One more note for you on the statistics. Henry Aaron had an OPS of 947 in his 20s. In his 30s, talk about consistency, he had an OPS of 948. At the age of 40, he hit 22 home runs, struck out only 29 times. The records go on and on. But as you'll hear a little bit more from with Walt Weiss, that was just a small, small part of who he was. So it's time for our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week. The former Rockies shortstop and former Atlanta Brave and former Rockies manager and currently the bench coach with the Atlanta Braves. Here's Walt Weiss. Hey, being in Atlanta first, uh, Walt, as a player, and, and now obviously recently as, as a bench coach, uh, Hank Aaron was around. What what was your first memory of meeting him back when you were playing? You know, I got to tell you, Goody. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I don't know if you you call it being starstruck. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been starstruck in in my life. Maybe maybe once or twice, but. There's something different when when Hank Aaron comes into your presence, you know, whether he walks into the room or or uh, approaches you on the field. Um, it's I got to tell you, it's a little uneasy. It was for me, um, and I don't know if it's just I don't know if that's being starstruck or or it's just you feel so humbled by by him being there. Um, but it was different. It was different uh, the the first time, not only the first time I met him, but even the times after that, you know, and I've been around him several times after that, especially uh, in the last few years as a coach. But, um, yeah, I got to tell you, it is, it's a little uneasy. 
But the thing about Hank is that the last thing he wants you to think is that he thinks he's above you. I mean, you, you've you've heard all the talk about him and, and how people describe Hank, and, and and it's so true. Everybody says the same thing. The guy was about as unassuming as you could be, as, 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 you know, especially for someone with that type of greatness. But Hank put you at ease right away. Um, you know, he deflected all attention and all praise that came his way, was always trying to deflect it uh, and just speak to you at your level. And he, he always had that smile, and it was a, a calming smile. It was it was uh it was a, a smile that was full of just calm and peace and that's what I remember most about him. You know, he if I had to describe him I'd say he was the perfect combination of greatness and humility. And what what a what a great combination to have. Yeah, and especially you know, I had only met him, you know, once or twice and and I we've all read and you know, you try to, you can never walk in somebody else's shoes, especially, you know, for you and I as, you know, white guys trying to walk in somebody's shoes who went through what he went through. Um, it's almost unfathomable. And yet, though he was very, seemingly very aware of naturally of what he went through and, and it, it was part of him, it never was something that he you know, took bitterness forward, seemingly. Is that, that's pretty accurate, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and the thing that is amazing about him, he had every right to be bitter. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is you hear Hank talk about that, uh, that chase of, of the home run record and, and, and the Babes record, and he, he couldn't enjoy it. You know, he said it's one of the worst times of his life. And what, what, what a shame. You know, what a shame to be chasing a hallowed record like that and not be able to enjoy it at all. And you would, you would think that there would be bitterness built up over the years, but it was just the opposite. That's what made him so special. And that's why he had the impact on the people that he, you know, he came in contact with like he did. And that's why everyone speaks of Hank Aaron in these terms of, you know, grace and dignity, because that's, that's who he was. That's exactly who he was. Do you know what else? What else? And, and I think this will hit home with you. You and I are the same age, and we grew up in, in the same part of, of the world in, in New York. And um, for us, you know, we remember the, the late stages of Willie Mays' career, right, when he came to New York and finished up with the Mets. And, of course, Willie played – in New York for, you know, a number of years before they moved to San Francisco. And, you know, I know what kind of baseball fan your dad, you know, is, and, and my dad the same way. And, and, and it was Will, Willie Mays was like the top of the food chain, right? He was on, he was, he was the top of Mount Rushmore. And Henry Aaron, I think if it's possible to have all of the numbers that he had, well, what he was like underappreciated, man, wasn't he? Yeah, it's true. It's so true, and unfortunately, now that he's passed away, I mean, he's getting his just due. I mean, with all the tributes and everything else. Um, but you're right, Goody. When you, when you, when people talk about the the, the great the, the greatest of all time, a lot of times Hank's an afterthought. You know, maybe that'll change moving forward. 
because a lot of a lot of a lot of things are coming to light now. But I, I got to tell you, man, when 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 you look at at the records and all those records he had, the 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 level of consistency, and you know how hard this game is, Goody. It, it, it you can you can be good for a a night or a week, a month, even a year at, at the major league level, but to do it like he did for as long as he did. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. You know, 25 All-Star games, the, the thing that really that really jumps out at me when I look at all the stats is that total bases one. You know, he, he's the all-time leader in total bases. Stan Musial is second, and he's 12 and a half miles of bases behind Hank. Isn't that something? It, it, it's that that's the, that's the one that really hit me. Twelve and a half miles of bases behind Hank Aaron. He's second. Sam Musial. I mean, it's just the level of consistency combined with greatness is unprecedented. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. I, I looked at his year. I think it was age age forty season. His age forty season. You know, any any person this side of maybe Freddie Freeman would jump at, right? You know, I'll take that season. It was it was remarkable. Speaking speaking of the young guys, and you guys have such a marvelous team in Atlanta, and some of the you know best young players in the game. Did they know? And we we now kids are. I mean, they're growing up. You know, several generations removed from guys like Aaron and guys like Mays. Um, do, do they realize? You know who he was. Um, you know when he would come around. I think so, Goody. You know, you know what? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, probably not at the level that I wish they did. Um, but you know, a guy like a Freddie Freeman uh, knows. Uh, you know, he he has he has the ultimate respect for for a Hank Aaron when 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 Hank would come around. I mean, Freddie Freddie's a student of the game. Uh, he's a pros pro. But you know, they, 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 you know, Freddie's thirty years old now. These kids that are twenty, twenty-two years old. I don't, that's a good question. You know, I, I think they understand because they see how everyone responds. But I, I, I wonder if they truly know the impact that this guy had on the game. Yeah, it, it, it truly was remarkable. I love what Chipper Jones said. Um, he said many, you know great things about Hank in the last several days. And he said, you know, when he walked in the clubhouse, kind of like what you said, Walt, you know, you, you guys, uh, you know, play at the highest level. You guys are, are the best players on the planet. And, and every once in a while you meet somebody that kind of makes you starstruck. And, he, and Chipper said it was that way for him. He said it was like the old E.F. Hutton commercial, which all your guys don't know. You and I know what he's talking about. But, you know, when, when, when he spoke, everybody listened, right? Right now, that's uh, you know my 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 personal favorite Hank Aaron memory happened I think two years ago. Um, you know Hank would come in and do his physical therapy at the stadium, and if he got there early enough on certain days, you could catch him before he took off. And uh, there was one day there was three or four of us, you know, coaches. I think one of the front office guys was there, and. We 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 kind of surrounded Hank and he he took a seat and we just started talking baseball and like I said I mean Hank was 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 self-deprecating and I think like I said I, I think it was because he didn't want you to think that 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 he was above you so he he would bring himself down to your level um, and 
would just deflect all the all the praise that we were giving him. But we were we were asking him pretty, you know, we were asking him baseball questions, and it was so cool. We were, we were asking uh, questions about hitting and approach, and and Hanks just sat there for thirty or forty five minutes talking baseball with us, and that that that's. I'll never forget that, you know, because it was like our own personal time with Hank. And like everyone else is saying, he made you feel like you were really important to him when he talked to you. The other thing I marvel at, well, you know, especially, you know, I, I think it's great. Game, the game evolves as it should. And, and to see some of the, the physicality and the, and the body types of, of guys that you coach now and, and see across the diamond – Hank Aaron, who had 755 home runs, was a six foot, 180 pound, maybe six foot, right, 180 pound guy, just like Willie Mays. I mean, they were, they were, they were Joe Average, right? Yeah, exactly, and that's why, you know, hitting a baseball has a lot more to do, uh, you know, there's a lot more to do with it than than just strength, or you know, bodybuilders will be playing baseball. Um, it, it, it's about it's about technique and the biomechanics of the swing, and it, it, it's great when you, you know when I go back and look at those those uh, those swings. You know Willie Mays and Hank Aaron, Ted Williams. There's some common denominators in how how they move how they move barrel how they move their bodies, and they that's what made them special. It's not because they were six four and, and two thirty. Um, they were elite in in how they in how they moved athletically and how they how they swung the bat. Um, and you're and and you're right. I mean, you would you would think that Hank Aaron, you know, you know he he's six three and and two hundred fifteen pounds, but he's he, he's a he's a regular sized guy and the guy has seven hundred fifty five home runs. He's pretty amazing. More with Walt Weiss in a moment, but first this from an original sponsor in the company I've been involved with for many years, Ideal Home Loans. They're in their 20th year. They're a Colorado company as well. They began in 2001. Brent Ivinson is a guy and his staff that will take great care of you. I've told you many times he's done that for me on a couple of occasions, but maybe even more importantly, I have sent him a number of people through the years and every one of them comes back raving about the service that they got. And naturally, they saved money as well when it comes to refinancing or if it was the purchase of a house or maybe even consolidating debt. They'll save you money. They're going to make the process easy and they're going to take wonderful care of you. And it means a lot that I can send people who are close to me to Brent and his team and know that they're going to come back and be absolutely elated with the service they got. Ideal Home Loans can be reached at 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans. Now more with Walt Weiss. I want to ask you to peek ahead, and, and uh, we're all guessing right now, including you know the people who ultimately have to make decisions in New York. Uh, what will 2021 look like, and, and do you think it gets started on time? Yeah, and I know everyone's saying we're going to start on time, Goody. I, I just, I just don't don't see it happening. I mean, just looking at the landscape, I know Arizona is having some issues right now with, with the COVID numbers and. I just, you know, we're 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 three four weeks away from from spring training. I, 
it's hard for me to believe that we're going to, we're going to be able to start on time. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, and I hope I am wrong. But, uh, you know, my gut tells me that, you know, we're, we're going to be a little behind. Yeah, it does seem that way uh, right now. You guys are going to have a, a a great club again. It's got to be I, – I know how much you enjoy being at the ballpark regardless, whether you're coaching, uh, as you did so well, young guys and then high school guys and, and now, you know, after managing, doing it again at, at the highest level. But uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good group you guys have down there in the ATL. Yeah, we do. You know, it's 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 a good time to, to be a Brave. Um We've got some really good young, talented players. We've got a good mix, Goody. You know, we we have we have the veteran guys. You know, Freddie Freeman, Nick Markakis, uh, who, who had been there for for several years. Not sure what his future is, but but uh, we just had I, I think the perfect mix of uh, veterans and and very talented youth. And it's it's a fun team to watch every night. I, I hear people tell me that all the time. You know that I see. They say, man, your your clubs are really not that's my club, but you know what I'm saying. The Braves sure. are a really a really fun watch. I've heard that you know a dozen times from 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 people in and in and out of the game, and it's true. You know, it's uh, and we got good you know good guys upstairs. I mean, Alex Anthopoulos does a great job. Um, you know, and, and Alex, the thing I like is he if you look at our staff. He still values the, the, the wisdom of the old-time baseball guy, the guys like Ron Washington, you know, Eric Young, is, you know, we, we know very well. Um, Rick Kranitz, our pitching coach. We had, we had, you know, Brian Snicker, obviously, been in the Braves organization for over 40 years. So he still values the wisdom that comes with baseball experience, and he's been able to, you know, blend that with the, the technology and the information I think that's another reason why we've had the success we've had. Yeah. You also have one of my favorite guys, Walt, and you know, not just because he's super talented, but I, I've kidded him before. I said, you know, I can post you up, and that's Ozzy Albies. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, you, you post him up. But he, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing he got pretty good crossover, Goody. I think he might get you. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that's about all I would do. Maybe I, it, the, the only good thing is I don't have to get on my tiptoes to interview him, man. <laughs> uh, he, he, he's wonderful, man. He's going to be he's going to be the guy that's going to be the leader of that team uh, uh, down the road. He's got all the all the great leadership qualities, and he plays the game the right way. He's he's uh, he's a good one. You touched on something real quickly that that I'm always glad to see, and I've mentioned this to you in the past. There there has to be a blend um, going forward, and I think the teams that are successful, like the team you're involved with, uh, Atlanta, where there's a blend, and I think Buddy has it. You know Buddy has it also with, with the Rockies, where you can take in new information, you could absorb new information, you're, you welcome um, the advancement with analytics, but there's also um, the old school approach that doesn't get completely discarded. Yeah, if you're in the game, if you're involved in the game, uh, Goody, I don't, I don't know why you, you wouldn't look at it that way. Um, why wouldn't you take the information and make the most of it? Uh, at the same time, you still have to watch the game. And I think the, the key, you know, when you have the wisdom of that, that experience brings, uh, for being in uniform for for so long, you're able to put context to the information. I think that's where sometimes the information gets lost. 
is, is it comes without context. And I, I think it's up it's up to the guys in the dugout to put context to the information and and, and know what's practical and useful and uh, what what can help you win a game each night. So you're exactly right. The blending the blending of it all is the perfect storm. Hey, I'll ask you this uh, last thing. With some of the rule changes we saw with the truncated season last year, um, you know, from the top step of the dugout, uh, what did you like? What did you appreciate? And, and what would you welcome, if any, uh, moving forward to, to adopt full time? Yeah, you, you know me, Goody. I mean, I, we're, we're probably the same in that we're, we're somewhat baseball purists. We have a similar background, like you mentioned earlier. And I was a little reluctant, you know. I understood the circumstances because of the shortened season and everything we were dealing with. So I was like, all right, I'm good with it for a year. But I got to tell you, I, I, I actually, I actually kind of liked it. You know, I liked, I liked the, uh, the extra inning rule. I thought it was going to be cheesy as anything, but, um, it actually brought a lot of strategy to the game, whether you're, whether you're on defense or you're, you're, you're the team, uh, hitting. Um, you know, the, the full-time DH, I think, I think is inevitable. So, I think uh, we've we've all uh, embraced that because I think it's, it's coming down the pike either either this year or next, and it, it played to our advantage because our you know Marcel is doing it, did a really good job for us, um, you know. So I mean, I don't have a problem with the, the, the three batter rule, but the uh, I'm still a little suspect over that one. I don't like I don't like uh, you know dictating to a manager how he's going to use his bullpen, but. Um, the game is so adaptable and the people in the game are so adaptable that, uh, you know, it, it usually goes off without a hitch. And I think even the three batter rule for the relievers went fairly well, you know. Uh, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not as hard set against it as I probably was before uh, it was implemented. But uh, that's the one that, you know, I'd, I'd still go back and forth on. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And, and, I've said almost verbatim what you said on the other ones because, again, you and I have known each other a long time, and I, and I was a National League guy growing up, and the DH, and, and I like to separate, you know, one league had it, one didn't, and, and I, I like that, you know, when, when you manage, you know, you had decisions to make on your bullpen and, and when to remove your starter and that sort of thing, but but the bottom line is the pitching is so, it's always been hard to hit, it'll always be hard to hit, and now you got... You know, jokers come out of the pen in the fifth, sixth inning throwing 100. And you're going to ask a – it's hard enough for the guys that, that all they do is train to hit. And now you're going to ask some guy who's a pitcher to, to go up there and – it just – it makes no sense now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the game is looking for ways to to induce more action into the game. Um, and I, I think – you know the DH is is, is obviously a, an, another way to do that. Doing it National League, I'm like you. I was I, I was always a fan of the National League game, but you know I think times change and and uh, you know we got to advance the sport and you know having a, a DH in the National League, I'm okay with that moving forward. Well, listen, man. I, I know it's uh, it's good for you to get back to uh, to your your adopted roots in Colorado. It's always good visiting, man. Enjoy the rest of the off season and. Uh, um, I'd say I'll see you soon, but I don't know. I don't know if we'll be able to have uh, the the uh, in person contact that uh, you know announcers and people in uniform uh, have had uh, going forward, at least for another year. We'll see. Yeah, maybe not right away, Goody, but I, I'd imagine some point during the season uh, we'll get to do that. And I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you, man. 
No, I mean, best to your family as always, brother. All right, Goody. You take care. You know, when you do a podcast once a week, and our thanks again to Walt, there are things that happen and you want to comment on. And, and sometimes by the time you all get to listen to it, you've heard different opinions on such. But there was no way that I was going to allow the passing of Henry Aaron to go by without spending some time talking about the man and allowing you to hear from somebody else in depth who knew him a little bit about the man as well. So um, rest in peace, Henry Aaron, an all-timer. And the list goes on, unfortunately, over the last uh, year of how many great Hall of Famers that we've lost, from Seaver and Gibson to to now Aaron and more recently Don Sutton uh, as well. They're having a heck of a game up in heaven right now, I can tell you that. Hey, what's hot? Brought to you by Boyers. I'll tell you what's hot. Tom Brady's going to a 10th Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? One of the things in watching Brady, and it was evident this year, I'd watch you know a good portion of, of Tampa's games because you knew they were good and, and now there was great interest with Brady being their quarterback. But as I'm watching him take on Green Bay at Lambeau Field last week, and watching him throw, and especially when you juxtapose it against another future Hall of Famer and Drew Brees, who you saw the week prior, uh, lose to Tom Brady. You know, Brees, you know, in his 40s, you can see he doesn't have the fastball anymore. Can't make the throws, all of the throws, like he used to. Yet with Tom Brady, he still has great zip on his passes, the tremendous accuracy that he's always possessed, threw the deep ball very, very well. I know he ended up with three picks the other day, but you know one was off the hands of Mike Evans. Other one was where he got hit and the ball fluttered up in the air. But he he still can throw the entire route tree. We'll get into next week's Super Bowl predictions. But uh, what's hot? Tom Brady's hot again. Ten Super Bowls? Are you kidding me? Let's talk about records that uh, may never be broken. That is certainly uh, one of them. It's time now for our question of the week. John from Aurora. Drew, Matt LaFleur's decision to kick a field goal in Sunday's NFC Championship game. Is that the worst coaching call ever in the history of the NFL playoffs? Hey, John, that is a great question. Matt LaFleur screwed that thing up. And I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking this one. I was watching with my son Jacob. And as it's unfolding, I'm saying, what is he doing? He actually, if you think about it, bet against two future Hall of Famers in one big coaching faux pas. It's fourth down, future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers is goal to go, and you need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. He elects to kick the field goal, as we all know. Had he gone for it and even failed... They're in the same situation, and Tampa Bay's backed up on their own six or seven-yard line, right? And you still have, as he said after the game, four timeouts, three timeouts plus the two-minute warning to try to hold them and get the football back to score a touchdown because you still needed a touchdown even after the chip shot field goal. He also bet against future Hall of Famer Tom Brady in that he was saying, we're going to keep Tom Brady from getting a first down. Because once they got a first down, it's ball game over. 
So he bet against his own Hall of Famer, and he bet against the Hall of Famer on the other side of the field. And not only that, he basically alienated Rodgers again. And perhaps Rodgers never plays another snap for the Green Bay Packers. And I'm sure if that is the case, one of the things that will influence that decision will be the fact that Matt LaFleur did not give him an opportunity on fourth and goal to try to tie up the football game. Not to mention, of course, that they spent a first-round pick on a quarterback in Jordan Love in the previous draft. But that's an aside. John, you asked the original question, is that the worst coaching decision I've ever seen in the postseason? It's up there, but I don't know if it's worse than a guy I really admire. And if I had a kid who could play in the NFL or if I was fortunate enough to play in the NFL and I was young enough, I'd want to play for Pete Carroll. And yet Pete Carroll's decision in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots will go down infamously as one of the worst decisions ever made by a coach in a big game. He had beast mode, Marshawn Lynch, they're on the one-yard line. A touchdown is going to win the game. He doesn't give it to Lynch, and he tries to throw a slant route on the goal line, and we know what happened with that slant route. It was picked off, and New England would win that Super Bowl. Fourth, excuse me, First and goal on the one-yard line with Marshawn Lynch as your running back, and you decide to throw a slant route. You'd make the choice, John, which decision was worse. And again, I have great admiration for Pete Carroll. All right, moving on. Before we get on out of here, we have to talk about Hall of Fame voting. It took place a couple of days ago, and they didn't select anyone. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the Baseball Hall of Fame. It underscores just how difficult it is to get into Cooperstown. It's not like some other sports where they're going to take a certain number each and every year. For just the ninth time ever, no Hall of Famers came out of this particular year. Just the third time, in fact, in the last 50 years. But one of the real positives to emerge from the voting was the continued ascension of our Todd Helton. Helton, in his third year on the ballot, which means he has seven more years, jumped from 29% to more than 44%, a 15% jump. He went from 16% to 29% between year one and two. And other than some players that were allegedly involved with PEDs, nobody has made that kind of jump or been in the mid-40s in their third year and not ultimately become a Hall of Famer. So I'm pleased to say that Todd Helton, pretty clearly, one day is going to be enshrined as he should be in Cooperstown. And I'm also going to tell you honestly that at the conclusion of his career, when I would get the frequent question, will Todd Helton be a Hall of Famer? I would diplomatically say, I sure hope so. And I believe without question, he is a Hall of Famer. But I wonder if he'll ultimately get in because of where he played his home games and the huge bias against players that performed at altitude called Coors Field home. That is starting to change. Voters are educating them, especially back east, educating themselves, I should say, 
about how difficult it is for players to go on the road who call Coors Field home, how the huge differences that they have to deal with. And because players and voters, or excuse me, are more aware of what players go through, I think Larry Walker was inducted in his final year. And I think ultimately Todd Helton's going to be a Hall of Famer. And that's the best news to come out of the voting this year. So I'm thrilled by that. That's going to do it for this edition. Big thanks to uh, Walt Weiss for jumping on board with us. A big thanks to you for uh, spreading the word about our uh, little podcast that we do each and every week. And uh, a lot to do next week. Look forward to uh, being with you again. Stay well, stay healthy, and we'll talk again next week. You've been listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast. Subscribe at iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. And leave a comment that helps other people find the show.